Passion Pod 68. Hello, my darlings. Thank you so much for your ears yet again. Um, thanks so much for choosing to listen to this because there's so many that you can listen to. Just super grateful that this one's in your ears. Uh, so back to London after our month of San Francisco delights. Uh, November, we are back firmly on our usual soil. Uh, and there's so many people doing amazing things. Uh, if you have any suggestions, by the way, or you are indeed someone that is doing your passionate thing, don't think twice about dropping us an email or getting in touch at Passion Pods on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, or our website, passionpods.co.uk. We're always on the lookout for people, um, and there's just so many of you doing amazing things. So get in touch, please. Uh, This week, Iris London, number 68, handmade lingerie. Amazing, beautiful, pretty, so feminine, and super wearable. It's awesome. It's an inspiring one, this one as well, because Ellie, who founded Iris London, her background was a politics degree. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty random. And her business itself is something that is quite different. Added to which, she's also super honest and frank about the things that are really difficult about working for yourself. So there's some really good bit of morale boosting in here, if you feel you're a bit in need of that. Um, Right, Iris London. You're listening to Passion Pod 68 with Iris London. Talk me through it. In a nutshell, Iris London. Okay, Iris London is a handmade um, London lingerie brand started by myself three years ago now. We make very feminine. Yeah, it's um, so pretty. Very, very pretty um, undergarments for women. It's amazing. What's your background? How do you get into making underwear? It's a bit of a funny story, actually. I was interning at, well, I should say, my degree was in politics, so completely unrelated. Okay, totally different. And then I was interning at an advertising agency, and one of the uh, research tasks I got given was based on um, British lingerie brands. You're joking. So I just kind of started looking into it and really thought that there was some gap in the market there for a sort of niche London brand that sort of designed wearable but really 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 pretty and well-made lingerie pieces but why because what was thing that was missing that there wasn't stuff that i was like more contemporary but it was wearable it was a sort of mix it was a real mix um but i think the usp would be the sustainability element because all of the fabrics that i get um, are sourced in the uk so it was right when that was kind of coming into fruition wicked that people wanted okay yeah we want something that's well designed and we want something that's obviously the right price and that's quality but we also want something that's a bit closer to home it feels a bit more special and i think it's a really nice fit with lingerie um yeah especially so. because of the style of what it is you know it is yeah it's like the intimacy probably yeah. of it and also the femininity of it yeah, exactly. it's something you know tactile yeah being able to touch it and see it and know that it's not come from miles away i think exactly. that with anything really probably. exactly i mean there's you know you can't you can't win everything with these things but I would say that the fit is a really, really key thing um, with lingerie. So that's a whole journey in itself, because yeah. I'm guessing you then had to... Yeah. You really so, built yeah, it. So, yeah, to find a pattern cutter... Well, because, look, I had to, obviously, do a, a course in lingerie construction. So I did that first. So that taught me the basics, how to make and manufacture. However, pattern cutting, which is sort of the stage before that, when you take something from sketch to the actual fabric pieces... Uh, is a whole different ball game. So I looked for a really, really, really good pattern cutter because I think 
you can't skimp on those things because that's the fit. And also, I'm guessing when you're learning something new, there's so much you can learn, but, you know, it's at that exactly. stage, it's probably a bit of a, exactly. I don't know, tall order, maybe. It is, and you also want someone that knows what they're doing with that sort of thing, so... As you say, because it's such a such an important thing... Exactly. ...to make or break, yeah. really, isn't so it? I, so she was difficult to track down, but I did find her, my pattern cutter. Amazing, and that's through people and talking and... It was just real, real sort of, like, nitty-gritty research. It took weeks if not months I'd say um, and yes it was through speaking to people word of mouth um, internet is great <laughs> trying to find people god knows what people did before they had that what I'm interested in is how you go from a politics degree obviously you were doing this ex- work experience but like have you ever done creative when you were younger yes, you yes, must yeah yes. okay so I always did textiles at school as a subject Okay, because I was like, come on, there's yeah. no politics and I'm there. No, this. no, no. So, so it was more, I would say, actually, the politics thing was, was probably more of me not knowing what I should do, so just doing something. Something that I enjoyed, but I don't think I was ever going to go down that route at 21, which is how old I was when I graduated. Whereas the textiles element, the creative element, I'd always loved... And doing that is when I sort of lose myself. When I'm working in those things, like that's when I don't notice that, oh God, I've been sat here for eight hours. And I think when you find that, and that's how you earn your, your crust, that's really special. And it's the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so you did this course. How are you financing yourself in that? Because obviously it's the dream to do what you love. Yeah. and do. But, you know, obviously setting up a business and studying and stuff. Yeah. How, how did you work that financially? Well, I, I got advice. That was the first thing. So I spoke to someone who had sort of been there, done that, on the T-shirt with the fashion business and said, look... I'm not trained um, past A-level. Um, should I do a degree? There is a, an amazing uh, lingerie uh, university in the UK, would you believe, called God. De Montfort. Amazing. Yeah. And this person that I spoke to said, you know, it's a great, great course, but there are short courses that you can do. If you've already got an ability, a sewing ability, if you're not starting from scratch, then look into that option. So that's what I did. So I did short courses at the London College of Fashion. And London College of Fashion is part of, I think it's University of the Arts London. They've all sort of merged into one. And throughout their different campuses, they offer an incredible breadth of short courses that you know could range from a day to a week to night courses. Great, so really flexible. So it means, yeah, that yeah. you can tailor it to what's going to work for you. If you have a full-time job, if you're thinking about maybe wanting to do something completely different, you can make the transition slowly, which is important when you've got bills to pay. And having said that, uh, I still work part-time. I still do freelance work whenever I can. It's it's not a sort of a simple trajectory of, you know, you leave one thing and then the other Ta-da! thing starts to if make... Only it the, if only it was as easy as that. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It would be joyous. Yeah. Um, darling, so let's go back a bit. Tell me yeah. a bit more about Iris London. So you make sets or you make... There's three strands of the business. Uh, the first is, well, it's e-commerce. So we sell sets online, individual items. It's not a huge collection. We do bras, knickers, thongs, suspender belts. That's probably as, as sort of overtly sexy as we go. Oh, I think belt. you're doing well. Um, you know, we don't do accessories or anything like that. Um, it's things that are wearable, basically. 
But also the material, I mean, you yeah. know, even just the bra is sexy in itself, very, you yeah, know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. need to be the, no. what it is, I no. think your style of it is very contemporary. Yeah, and... it is, it's contemporary, but it's also bedroomy as well, which is what I like about it, you know, I wanted basically for women to be able to, when they get up in the morning, open the underwear drawer, feel like a zhuzh, literally just put their hand in, pull something out, the first thing that comes and be like, this is lovely, this is comfortable, it's gorgeous, and I feel really good and in I it, and I feel really good in it, and yeah. you know, I wouldn't be embarrassed to sort of take off my... And actually, Whatever, yeah, exactly. Day, it's like, hey, yeah. I have to think about, oh, shall I change? Or, you I've know, got my big granny pants on. <laughs> I mean, there's a time and a place for granny <laughs> pants. I don't, I don't know if you're feeling too much. That's not going to be your next line, I can tell you that. Um, but yeah, I think you're so right. It makes such a difference yeah. what you're wearing, doesn't yeah, it? It exactly. really does. And you know, you know that from your own experience. Every woman knows that. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got your e-commerce stuff and that's the main... It is, yes. And then I also do bespoke. So that is probably what it sounds like. It's um, people come to me either sort of bridal or something special. It could be boyfriends or husbands that want to get a gift and they want something just a little bit more special or women who really struggle to find something in their size or maybe even don't know what size they are. And so just want a little more help and guidance in that area. So no jobs too small per se. I mean, I've I've even done alterations for people, you know, wow. replacing elastic that they had. On their favourites. Yeah, that they had, honestly, wouldn't believe, and bras they just loved and needed modernising a bit. And I've done, I've even done that. Amazing. Yes, God, so varied then what you're yeah. doing day to day. But that's the thing, I think, with when you're self-employed, you, no day is the same and sometimes you need to be realistic. If you're providing a service, what people actually need and what people... One. The third thing is the wholesale. So uh, that's probably the biggest round of the business, but it happens less frequently, obviously. And So how does that work? Do people buy collections or do they so buy... So that would be stores, yeah, who buy either sort of bricks and mortar stores or online stores, and they buy wholesale outright. So they would buy a collection of varies in size, but it's quantity. Uh, and Which is obviously the dream, well, and dream for you yeah. in some ways, but then I guess that takes it into a completely different realm in terms of your production. Exactly. Because you're, I imagine, initially were doing this all yourself. Exactly, yeah, I was. I was literally hand-sewing everything, piece wow. by piece. And so with the wholesale, when you're talking hundreds and hundreds of units, it's just not sustainable. Um, so I use a factory now. It was a bit of a journey um, in terms of trying to find which production... Tell uh, me about that. Like So... Well, it started with an order for Urban Outfitters. So exciting. Which was really, really exciting. Wow. Yeah, it was a real benchmark. Yeah. And their quantity was such that I couldn't produce it in-house. So I looked at using a factory and I did my research again and found a factory in England, in Derby, uh, which was important uh, for two reasons to keep production in the UK. The first was it felt less scary. Especially when it's just you. you know? Exactly. It's like, oh my God, I'm going global. This is exactly. a little much. I, think yeah. it, I thought if something goes wrong or at least it's two hours on a train. I can get there. Exactly. Yeah. So I used this actually. Oh, the second reason was quality. Okay, because we can micromanage things now, which is not always good, obviously. But how can we manage that aspect of things? Samples could be good. How do we know that the rests aren't going to be great? So I used this factory in Derby and they were fantastic. But was that, I mean, was that fantastic straight from the off? I mean, these things can be, you know, hard. Yeah, no, it was. I'd say actually the only struggle with it 
was probably the mistakes that I had made my end in terms of the difference between auditing a fabrics order for a quantity of that size and making sure that the factory has everything that they need and when they need it by. Mm. Whereas when we were doing things in-house, if we'd run out of something, you'd, you'd sort of say, oh gosh, we've run out of something, we'd better reorder it, which you could do. And yes, it delayed you, but it wasn't the end of the world, you know, a couple of days. Whereas when you've booked a production slot at a factory and they've got other clients that are before and after you, they're not quite as not quite so flexible. So please, yeah. So they were. I mean, I have to say they were brilliant, and they always will provide a buffer themselves with a buffer because they know things how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they were they were fantastic. I can't fault them, Uh, and that was a real learning curve. You know, it made me realise how on the ball you have to be with these things. So. yeah, but they were brilliant. And it was a nice transition for us because we could get fabrics from our supplier in the UK sent straight to the factory. So you don't have to do so much of all the toing and froing so and things like that. logistically, yes, it was, it was a little bit better. It sort of shortened our supply chain a bit. So tell me, when you talk of we, have you got a team of you? There is some interns who help me. Amazing. Um, who I couldn't live without. Uh, I guess the nature of what you're doing is you people are wanting experience for studying right. fashion and yes. things like that. So actually, it's a great, it's a great, great thing to be able to set up a business where actually the help they can give you is actually um, tangible. Is not quite the right word, but you know, it yeah. is actually it's right meaningful. there. Yeah, exactly. It's not just photocopying. No, <laughs> well, I did internships. Um, I did three actually, and one was in fashion and. It teaches you, amongst the practical things of what you're there to learn, it teaches you the difference between a good internship and a bad internship. Yeah, quickly. (laughs) Very, very quickly. So I do make a concerted effort. Uh, I have to because it's only us, really. It's small. So the interns do get the experience that they're there for. And that's something I would say, thinking about people that are there for the work experience, if you take people on you have to be realistic about how much time you can give to them because they do need that no one knows what they're doing on day one obviously or even by day five it takes a while so the longer the internship I'd say the better but obviously with um, part-time and flexi working and things yeah it's like having the balance again isn't it of mixing it around Um, so you've got a little studio you're saying you've got and that's have you again that I guess came down the line it did yeah yeah. so so the studio is in East London and I've been there for three years uh, this actually this month yeah oh wow Uh, I've just recently moved to a little uh, bigger space oh exciting which is nice yeah so it's still small it's probably not as big as you'd think but uh, I guess you don't actually need too much space or is that naive of me to think because the pieces are so tiny wee you know it's like you don't. I mean, fabrics do take up quite a lot of space. You'd be surprised how much elastic you need to make. <laughs> God, my honestly, my love, my mind just boggles. I've been so excited to talk to you because it's like yeah. I don't think twice about who's my, made my necks and my no, bra. Like, I, I just don't. You just don't think about it. But actually, to stop and think of you there creating these, yeah. it's just oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Such a cool thing. Um, Dance, so we've talked about a few of them, but tell me, what do you reckon the biggest challenge has been, the setting up Iris London? Is there anything that sticks out particularly? Yeah, barriers to growth. I'd say the biggest one is probably uh, finance, because um, you asked earlier about sort of funding and things, and I mean, the business is still self-funded. That's amazing. Wow. So we are in black. Yeah. But 
it's a really, really slow process. That's the reality. I think unless you have investment at the beginning or quite early on, and perhaps unless you're very, very lucky and get a, a fantastic break, although still with breaks, what, what someone told me, growing pains, you know, growing the business is expensive. So even though you have a good break, it can propel you onto the next stage, but then your costs go up, obviously, because then you, you want bigger and better things and your margins and etc. So I love that image, that growing pains, growing that's pains. such a good thing. Yeah. As you say, it's so exciting, but that whole next step... You're onto a whole different ball game of everything. Exactly. So that's why I've done it so, so gradually, incrementally, from you know very, very, very first sale on a market to hundreds of units um, getting them produced in a factory. I think investment is something that I, I haven't actually looked into yet, although would like to, but I would say it's probably the biggest barrier to growth because unless you have it, it's difficult to not get bogged down in the sort of day-to-day dealings of everything which it's not to say those become beneath you once you have get finance because there'll always be stuff that needs to be done practical stuff but I think if you're talking about sales and the bottom line of a business and growing it uh, you need to be putting your time and energies into that and that's very difficult to do when you're dealing with the minutiae you know, the sales that you've actually got in front of you, which yeah, totally. always take priority. Totally. So I'd say that's the thing I found the most difficult. Um, I think things like press uh, and finding customers and finding suppliers, all of that, it's all doable. Uh, sometimes things don't come off straight away and it might take a while to find those things, but they're achievable. Um, not all at once, but they are achievable. All in one day. Yeah. But I'd say that this sort of general growth, taking taking a business, a cottage industry business, to the next level. It's funny, it's kind of what you were talking about in terms of the interns and, you yeah. know, the time needing to be invested with them and stuff yeah. if you're taking people like that on. It's kind of the same, you know, you need you need the time sort yeah. of on your business, not in it. And yes. when you're at the state, certain stages, you know, it's a cliche thing to say that, but it's so often the case, you know, yeah. just the man hours just aren't there. Exactly. The thing that strikes me most, though, from what you say is patience. I mean, you must be mm. incredibly patient. Yes. I, I never thought about it, really. That wouldn't have been on my list of what skills do you think you need to start a business? <laughs> CV. Yeah, it really wouldn't. But you're right. It, you do need to be patient. And you learn from experience again another cliche but you gosh you do you really really do and you also learn what you should be patient with and what you shouldn't be I think that's something which I've probably only realized in the last 12 months I think when I was starting out I was so eager and so keen to please that you sort of bend over backwards kill yourself you in the kill process yeah. yeah and then and now or maybe it's just I'm getting a bit older I don't know but you just step back and you think actually the world isn't going to fall you know around my ears if I don't do this this customer, if I explain to them that we're running a bit behind, unless it's a wedding, obviously that's a completely different story. <laughs> but um, people understand, like everyone's been there and done it. And sometimes you just need to just take a moment and think, it's okay, it's fine. I can go home tonight and come back in the morning. I don't have to stay here. It literally feels so familiar because there's no one there to tell, tell you that. You, exactly. And there's no one to say, look, you, you've done quite yeah, enough today. It's yeah. time to just pop that pop that down yeah. and go and have a large glass of exactly, wine. Exactly, exactly. Although having said that, when you have built something that's yours and when you work for, when when it's only you telling you to stay as opposed to someone else telling you you have to stay or not even telling you, just expecting you and not thanking you for it, other people have that in, in other 
other jobs normal jobs no not normal jobs <laughs> other jobs i'm always like no not normal these are normal too we've got to make them normal if we can't be championing that crusade then yeah. i don't know who can but i think you're totally right and i think um you know grass is always greener it's exactly. like everyone has days whatever they're doing that yes. makes things difficult of doesn't course. it you know yeah. um sweet tell me ellie what advice do you wish you'd been given when you started oh that's a good question i think a, a little bit about what i've just been talking about actually which is maybe it's okay not to know what you're doing it's okay to not try and be something that you're not I think I overstretched myself in certain situations everything came off in the end everything went to plan but I think things like if you're a small business or you're you're even on your own you know as one designer being okay with that and explaining that and asking for help rather than pretending or wishing you were trying to bigger than you are because you think people will care and actually I think in certain cases it can be the opposite but I remember I had this experience with um, a magazine they had called in a sample from different brands and I'd sent something in and they look and they didn't use it in the end and I'd got so excited that this was going to be in the shoot in Paris anyway, oh no it don't but it happens all the time it is not a personal thing but anyway later on I think it was maybe a year later the same journalist from the same magazine called in again and had seen my garments and found out that actually I was Iris London, it was a small brand, it was British, and she loved it. And she said, I wish I'd known that this was, you know, a small, new, exciting brand, because I actually just thought it was from an established kind of high street. Oh my gosh. Um, and she said, I wish I'd known earlier, we'd love to do some endorsement or something. But, wow. I, but I'd been so sort of insecure about thinking, God, I've got to compete with whatever. And it's like, well, don't, don't try because you don't have to. You just need to be happy with who you are, you know, in terms of the scale of the brand. So yeah, I think that's probably what I would say. That's a huge compliment for you. Yeah. That's like a massive compliment for someone, yeah. you know, also encouraging at that yeah. stage. You know, that that's what she's thinking yeah. that your products were part of. It's yeah. great advice. That's it's, great advice. Yeah, and I mean, I think also just recently um, I was asked to do a commission for Dazed and Confused magazine. Great. Which was really exciting. And I was thinking about it while I was doing it and thinking it's so funny how upset I got when a sample wasn't used, you know, in another glossy magazine. And now I'm doing something bespoke for a magazine that I never dreamt I would ever um, get asked to do for. So it's just like, it's just swings around. But at the time I was probably inconsolable. Like no one could have told me that well I wouldn't have believed them but that I think that only comes with hindsight I wish someone had told me that but even if they had I wouldn't have listened yeah, look into the future for yeah. me please <laughs> but then that comes down really to experience isn't it yeah, is exactly. that maybe what we're saying is that yeah. you know you learn and the only way you're going to learn is by trying it yeah and if you don't then I suppose it's ask you know don't be afraid don't be scared that you don't know everything it, it, it is experience ultimately and everyone's done it before you that's the thing whoever you're asking whatever you're asking, chances are they've been in your shoes. Uh, and people love talking about themselves. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm I can do joking. all of these. No, but it's so true. And I think it is that thing of having confidence. And I think when you're new in something, you do feel like 
you know, you're the only one. And it's actually so good to have, you know, a bit of a reminder. Definitely. Maybe I should mention a little bit more about the struggles in terms of emotionally, how difficult it is running something either on your own. I I think if you have a co-founder, which I don't, I know, I always wish I did. That can be a huge (laughs) plus, yeah. And that was actually something which I think, if I thought about at the beginning, you, at the beginning, think you can achieve so much and reap the benefits for yourself, but actually two minds better than one. And when, there's that phrase, it's lonely at the top, isn't it? Like, when the going gets tough and you are the only one, um, it can be really difficult. So I'd say if you can find someone a co-founder that's the dream but obviously they have to have a different skill set to you they have to have exactly the same passion so hard. and drive but different skill set otherwise and vision i think yeah. that's so often the thing as well is that you find all of those things in someone that can see where you're wanting to take it or yeah. take it in the same place i mean yeah, yeah i think you can't underestimate finding somebody like that exactly and it's doable on your own but it's very very difficult it is very very difficult and that's something which you know even today, now, it's still, I think it's an ongoing thing. I don't think it's something that ever will leave. You know? And you kind of think it might. But yeah. <laughs> you're like, exactly. oh God, I'm still feeling still this. Still feeling it. And it's always doubts. And it's good to have doubts, definitely. But like you said earlier, it's grass is greener. And it's kind of this difficult comparison that we always draw. You know, someone else has a paycheck or someone else can leave their job at six or someone, I don't know, uh, can complain and other people know exactly what they're talking about. Whereas if I complain, people just tell me to shut up because I can choose my own holidays and go for as long as I want. And in reality, I probably have less holiday than someone. So it's actually quite hard quite a lot of the time, I promise. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's the thing is that it's really not easy and so for other people if it's creative or a freelance job or uh, anyone that runs their own business it is hard it's really really hard and just stay positive do you have any tips for that have you found have there been any things that have helped you uh i would say friends i have a friend who also started his own business although he has co-founders uh, uh, oh how dare he <laughs> it's <got> so easy <laughs> um but he always gives me advice and i i really value it because he does know what it's like and surround yourself maybe at points with I people so, that do get that it do get it because they can be like look i have been there worn the t-shirt it's bloody hard and keep going that's the thing he's like don't quit keep going keep going keep going oh um i'd say as well i'm lucky that in my studio there's a lot of other creative people so i think it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people in that sense, people that sort of understand your journey. You know, a lot of my friends have corporate jobs or they just, they work in sort of commercial industries, either commercial, corporate. And I think when you're in that sort of mindset, whether it's in the pub or whatever, that's when you compare yourself and that's when you think of all the things you don't have that, that they do. Whereas if you're with someone that's slightly more like-minded or people, that's good. So I'd say for artists and so on, if you can try and find a workspace that's got other people in it that do similar things, then at least you can sort of chew the fat. You've been listening to Passion Pod 68 with Ellie from Iris London. 
kind of want one of those myself. I need a room full of podcasters. Slightly terrifying prospect, actually, probably. Uh, Thank you so much to Ellie from Iris London. You can find out more about her on our website, passionpods.co.uk. Thank you so much again for listening. Just so, so grateful that you choose to listen to Passion Pods. If you like it, by the way, we'd be massively grateful for any reviews you fancy giving us. If you head to iTunes and type in Passion Pods, we're in there and any kind of thing like that really, really helps spread our word, um, which is a great thing, really, because then in turn, hopefully it will be inspiring other people to do what they love rather than stress around in jobs they hate. Uh, So yeah, please do that. We'd be super, super grateful. Good, bad and the ugly. Go on, be brave. Next week, food writer, come blogger, come photographer, come food stylist. But yeah, you get the gist. It's all sort of centred around food. She is like superwoman, the amount of different bits and pieces that she does. She just also launched a range of jewellery with a sort of foodie theme, as you do. So yeah, chatting all things food next week. Hope you have a really good week in the meantime. If you're needing inspiration, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We steal all the nuggets of wisdom directly from our podders' mouths. And yeah, we tweet one of those each day, so find us at passionpods.co.uk. Have a good one.